This episode of the Unbuild It podcast is brought to you by Huber Engineered Woods, makers of Advantex subfloor assembly products. Engineered with long-lasting strength, moisture resistance, and nail-holding power, Advantex subfloor is the brand builder's trust for quality subfloor. Combine the strength and moisture resistance of Advantech panels with the bonding power of Advantech subfloor adhesive for a solid, even subfloor assembly, perfect for a variety of floor applications. Follow along with builders and their bringing their A-game campaign on the Advantech subflooring YouTube channel at Huberwood on Instagram and their new website, visit AdvantechAgame.com. Thank you, Huber Engineered Woods. Welcome back to the Unbuild It podcast. Today I'm joined by Peter Yost, Steve Basic, and myself, Jake Bruton. We are here to talk about rain screens. How hey are guys. you gentlemen today? Hello, everybody. What's up, guys? Excellent. I just wanted to I just wanted to say when we decided to do a podcast on rain screens, I sat down uh, a few minutes ago at my mic and was like, okay, I got 10 minutes before we start recording. I should make a couple notes. And I thought, I have, let's just see how many different types of rain screen and rain screen manufacturers are, there are out there. And off the top of my head, I was able to come up with something along the lines of 13 or 14, varying from all different types of house wraps to nail-on products to using regular lumber and strapping to create rain screens. Uh, do you guys want to hear my list? No, I can't. I think wait. we should talk about uh, <laughs> rain screens a little uh, and and find out exactly what they are before we get into talking about who they are and who makes them and why do they make certain ones. Um, I think it's really important. Um, this this could potentially be one of the I don't know maybe aside from uh, talking about installing windows. This is probably one of the most important aspects of putting a building together in my eyes. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about that, especially given... And yet, seven or eight years ago, something that I didn't even know about. Yeah, and given that, that never done. we put water management in such high esteem of, uh, you know, building that this is, a, this is a great part of managing water, right, and getting rid of it, creating that, that drainage space. You know, someone... I, I frequently get a lot of text or emails or Instagram. You can find me at Stephen Basic Architect, by the way, there. Um, but uh, I, I get a lot of messages that say, hey, I'm putting up hardy plank. Do I need to put a, a rain, put it on a rain screen? Or, hey, I'm doing boral. Should I put it on a rain screen? And the thing to understand is that rain screens aren't necessarily just about the siding. They're also about helping the wall get ventilated and helping the wall dry right well I mean, we okay all... you got me all excited steve tell me what a rain screen is so for me <laughs> a, a rain screen is simply a sacrificial layer um on the building that sheds bulk water and then manages the residual water that gets through behind it and so let me explain peter so <laughs> You know, when I do a presentation and I have visuals, I usually have this one picture of a house that has uh, green zip all over it and the windows are all installed and they're all taped and, um, and properly installed. And I say, okay, from a water management standpoint, this house is done right here. 
And people say, well, you don't have the cladding on. I say, no, I agree. But I should be able to hose the house down at this level of construction and be successful from a water management layer. So, so that we're not relying on a face-sealed siding or cladding to be the thing that is protecting your entire assembly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I ate my uh, Wheaties this morning, so I'm going to be harsh today. If you, if you think you can build a face-sealed siding, you're an idiot. How's that? Uh, I'll come out and say it. Because I, I, to believe that you're going to keep water on the sunny side of siding 100% of the time forever, then you shouldn't be building buildings. Because um, it's going to get through. It, I want it some of those to, Wheaties. What's that? I want some of those Wheaties. Yeah, well, don't don't mess with me today, Yost. I'm not in the mood. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I, I call it a sacrificial layer. So it's the cladding. It's the part of the building that makes the building pretty. But the real science is what's happening behind it. We have that airspace. Now, I know Jake's going to wow us with his left list of 17 or 19. <laughs> And those wows are going to be dimensionally um, from maybe an Quite eighth varied. of an inch through, you know, upwards of three quarters of an inch. My favorite go-to is simple wood, one by three wood strapping. Up here in the Northeast, it's a very common material. We can get bundles of it really cheap. And oh, by the way, what do carpenters like to work with? Oh, let wood. me think. Ah, yep, wood. Right? So... So, so, Steve, you're saying that a rain screen is a space. You could have done that in seven words. But, Peter, <laughs> I have to keep you off the mic, which I'm trying very hard to do here. <laughs> but, uh, no. So, yes, it, it's basically a space behind the cladding. And that space has multiple tasks. You know, the biggest And thanks one... for listening to the podcast today. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We're done. Um, shut up, Jake. Uh, that's the weedies talking, <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's that space so that any water that does get through and will get through has a place to drop. Remember, we talked about water management and water management. It's, it's two words: down and out. Use gravity in your favor and get rid of the water as fast as you can. In some cases, make it your neighbor's problem. Shove it off onto their property. Um, but only because you're ready to ask, Peter, there is a second task that rain screens have. And I'll, I'll give you one guess if you can do it. The, what the second job uh, yeah, is? That's, that's wake up, Yost. Come on. That's... <laughs> well, I think you're getting at providing some drying potential beyond drainage. Am I getting warm? You're you're extremely warm. You're you're sitting in the middle of the campfire on that one, buddy. Um, yeah, it's the the second task is that it provides a ventilation space, and the ventilation space does actually a, a couple things in, in my eyes. And please correct me if you think I'm wrong, but it dries out the inner wall and sheathing. It dries out the backside of my cladding. And it also pro provides the opportunity to redistribute some moisture back there because moisture always moves from high to low. So if you have roof overhangs and you dump a bunch of water on the wall and the lower clapboards, wooden clapboards, soak up a bunch of moisture, well, 
the upper clapboards are drier, so that moisture is going to want to try and migrate and equalize on the backside of all of that wood clapboard. So that ventilation space or that three-quarter inch space allows me for some proper redistribution until the sun comes out and can dry out my wall. It allows you to broaden the area that you're, you're able to, to share that moisture with. Yeah, it expands the sponge, if you will. So is, would you say that all rain screens drain, but not all rain screens ventilate? So that ventilated rain screens are a subset of rain screens? I think that's a great or way are we Or are we determining that a drainage plane is different than a rain screen? Or are we calling it a subset, like Peter just said? I know well, we're in the I weeds think both here, of them. But... I think both of them have <clears throat> drainage drainage capacity, but not all rain screens have adequate ventilation capacity. How's that? I mean, they all e even if you did an yeah. eighth inch airspace back there, there's an argument that okay, we can you can run some air in there. Moisture is going to migrate a little, but it certainly isn't going to move and migrate like a three quarter inch airspace, and then. You know, one of my favorites to make it to, to really kind of turn the tides on all the naysayers and the people that want to get out the five tubes of caulk when they're siding. I love open joint rain screens. Now, I know exactly what you're thinking, Peter. What's an open joint rain screen? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I'm just I'm at the <laughs> edge of my seat. I, I can't. It's I, all right. Just, well, hey, thanks I think Peter was for getting coming. coffee. I'm going to let Jake and Peter finish up here. <laughs> uh, but, but open joint Steve, rain screen. Steve, what, what is an open joint rain screen? So an open joint rain screen, typically I do a lot of planked sidings, like 1x5s, 1x6s. <clears throat> I put them on the strapping, and I put a 3 inch air joint basically between them. So you can literally see between them into that three-quarter inch airspace and drainage space. So not lapped, not butted, spaced. Exactly. And so basically my wall is air open. And think of it as a, uh, uh, like a rain lattice, if you will, right? That my siding is to capture as much bulk water as it can and shed it down. And then what goes through just simply falls or dries out. But I like the open joint in that, I get 100% drying potential all the way up the wall. I don't so have to you, bend So you're it. treating your wall cladding like a deck. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. I'm turning that. And each a, board ends up being its own assembly. And each board ends up being its own assembly. And if you believe that water will get behind the system and you have faith that. Which it will. Which it will. But then you have to have faith and belief that your sheathing and weather-resistive barrier is kind of the Alamo for water. That's that's where you do your battle. But the beauty of the rain screen system is is I don't have to battle 100% of the water. I'm battling 5 or 6% of the water that hits it because my sacrificial siding battles the other 95-ish percent. So the interesting thing here, uh, when I went from not knowing about rain screens to learning about it and understanding the physics behind it, I was like, oh, we're not changing where our WRB is. We're not changing where our, our water barrier is. We're just realigning the idea of what we thought it was because we were already using 
a, a good quality house wrap and we were already using zip, we just were mounting our siding right to it. The only thing we did was add the ventilation space. We still had the same amount of water control. We're actually better now, but we didn't... I had to wrap my mind around that that water control layer didn't actually move. Yeah, now we Does get to... Does that make to, sense? Yeah, and, and now we get to, well, how much of a space counts as ventilation and how much of a space doesn't, right? Because... When you were going through your list, Jake, I bet you there was things like uh, Benjamin Abdeck's Hydro Gap. My goodness, Peter, let me read you the list that I have. I can't, this is what I was waiting for, too. <laughs> it's like Christmas. Tyvek Drain Wrap, Benjamin Abdeck Slicker, Slicker Max, uh, Benjamin Abdeck Hydro Gap, Core Event, which is kind of like the corrugated uh, campaign signs. And actually, if uh, Stephen Waters is a builder in North Carolina, he was telling me that they use campaign signs and they color code them. So if it's meant to go horizontally, it's one color of the campaign sign that they buy. If it goes vertically, that's another color. I thought that was a good just a hey, Benjamin Obdike has the corrugated um, They do, too. yep. Tamlin has Tamlin wrap that's a drain wrap. Uh, there's a... I posted on Instagram a few days ago, Permacon makes a sure touch that's made for mounting brick. That has a, a drain drainage plane built into it for that reason, although it's not open at the bottom or it, it didn't appear to be in that sense. Uh, we've used three quarter pine. We use three eighths fir plywood a lot. Uh, Stucco flex. Dorkin makes Delta dry. Like there is yeah just an incredible variation across cedar that breather. list from yeah cedar yeah, breather and don't, don't they make a cedar breather max too i think they make one that's a little thicker too like yeah they i think there's they do the the opportunity for arguing there over which one's going to provide the correct amount or which one's going to provide just enough without being too much i don't think you could find a, a more varied system that's intended to do the exact same thing across any other building materials yeah, you know. you know, when I first saw the HydroGap, I think it was at IBS one year, and I asked them about, well, how much does it drain? And they said, well, there's actually an ASTM standard where you do exactly what Steve was talking about earlier. You pour water in at the top of the assembly, and if it's of a known quantity, yeah. what percent ends up Stop at the bottom? Um, and it turns out that the ASTM standard minimum is 90% free drainage, and Benjamin Obzike's Hydrogap is about 92 or 93% free drainage. But then I asked him, I said, well, can you count that one millimeter gap as air circulation or convective drying? And they said, no, absolutely not. You, you just can't get enough air through a space like that to give you any kind of convective drying. So that would be a rain screen, but not a ventilated rain screen. Right. And I think Joe didn't, Joe always said, or at least to me, that you know, three-eighths was kind of the magic number to create a, a cavern wide enough water can't jump across or suspend across. You know what's interesting about that is that the Canadian requirement in, in the maritime provinces for any cladding, there must be a 10 millimeter gap between the backside of the cladding and the WRB. 10 millimeters is three-eighths of an inch. So I think that is where you get both nearly 100% free drainage and convective drying. 
But Steve, I remember you and I were working on a project once where they had at least a three-eighths inch gap, but it was closed at the top and only open at the bottom. And you and I, I think it was you and I, but maybe it was just me, had some concerns. Well, if it gets wet behind there and the sun cooks it, you're going to end up with that moisture stacking up at the top rather than flowing out. And I, I thought you had seen a building or two where the top courses of... Yeah, I, I had. I, I sent you those photos. It was a, a house by a very prominent builder, and they didn't vent the top. But a lot of the, the, like the top two or three courses and the freeze board were experiencing some mold um, up there. So if you, it, if you cook that and the warm, moist air rises and has no place to go, you can actually you know, create a bit of an issue there. The other thing is, I remember talking to you about this, Steve, maybe it was talking to Joe Stieberg as well, but folks that say, well, can I take the top of the ventilated rain screen and just connect it to my soffit vent? Or, or do That's I have to, here. you know, have the exit be at the top of the cladding? And um, do you remember that when that came up? Yeah, yep, I remember that. We, ha we had an issue because we we thought about that and had detailed it such that the wall rain screen just was open to the soffit the soffit had an additional soffit vent and then both of those bled into the attic space um channel and up through the ridge vent so you basically build stack effect all the way from the water table through the ridge um right but we i have had projects where the fire inspector or building inspector caught it and wanted it blocked off because he thought that it was a closed channel and that fire would rage from the basement all the way up through the roof through that channel yeah so uh, if we if we do that assembly where we're venting from our rain screen into the soffit and and through a ridge vent on the roof are we concerned in a cold climate with causing ice damming because we're nuking the wall with some sun yet there's snow standing on the roof and we cause the the snow that's direct contact to the roof sheathing or to the shingles and then the roof sheathing to start to melt because that warm air is rushing through there so that i had never thought about that jake but if the sun is out and it's pumping air up through the cladding and up through the soffit, um, the that space may get heated, but I don't think it's gonna. Well, so you're talking about melting the snow. That's yeah. Can I get warm enough temperatures rushing from that up and in? You know, in, in the winter, yeah. if you have you can have snow on the ground and the wall can feel warm if it's getting enough sun on it. Uh, you know, I haven't shot it with a thermometer to know exactly how warm but it seems to me like in a cold climate where we get quite a snow stack on a roof that you could get warm enough through that ventilation yeah it, it's funny building science corporation has a piece on dam ice dams i think it is by joe and the only time i've seen that warm air striking or the sun striking the cladding is in real real snow country with dark wall claddings and a whole bunch of heat gets trapped by a huge soffit overhang, particularly an open soffit as opposed to a you know, closed. 
and that has created um, enough heat being trapped right at the uh, eave to get some ice damming. But if you're moving air through there, even if it's warm air, I just don't think that you've got enough potential for a significant ice dam. Um, that's that's why I love the words open rain screen, open 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 rain screen. I love those cooling all the way up because so the, other, it's, the wall it, is open the whole way. And it, it's funny that Steve brought up this issue of fire safety because I'm working on a project in California right now where there is urban wildfire considerations and. Steve Quarles is one of the leading experts on uh, prepping buildings for exposure to wildfire. And he said, look, it's okay if you do open venting, you just gotta make sure you have screening that's capable of keeping embers out. And that's a much heavier gauge uh, metal screen than you would typically use. You know, is I wonder, Peter, I was just screen... thinking when, when, when Jake asked that, what if we, what if you packed that upper airspace with an air permeable insulation like rock wool or something uh as your exterior rigid well no as just as a, a blocker between soffit and wall because i i can use rock wool as fire blocking in cavities yeah so why couldn't i use it out in that three quarter inch by 15 and a half inch cavity or 14 and a half inch cavity, sorry. In between your rain screen to stop In between the rain screen. The, so that air and moisture can the... move through it, but it blocks its code approved um, fire blocking. Now, yeah. it'd be a pain in the neck to get down to those little strips, but. Although I don't believe that anybody really knows what net free area is required for air movement. I can tell you that the air permeability. Uh, multiplied by 1.76832454. That's the Wheaties talking. Um, there's the air permeability of rigid or any type of mineral is not high enough to get, you know, it would it, the net free area would drop to, you know, certainly not zero, but it would be it would be too diminished by the insulation. Um, but a clever idea nonetheless, Steve. Well, so here here's an argument too that the bigger the hole is. You, you provide more ventilation, but I also provide better drainage. So if I provide better drainage, say with a three-quarter space than a, an eighth-inch space, then the argument is I have a whole lot less to dry, right? So the, the bigger the space really works for you. And it brings me back to these two favorite words, open rain screen, right? Yeah, I mean, if you... My, my thing that I always do with uh, my clients or even my wife when I'm in an argument is I take everything to the extreme. So if I build I my cladding, Sorry. If, I, if I build my cladding three feet from the house and my rain screen is big enough for me to walk through, that's, I, I'm never going to challenge three and, system, feet, right? three and a half feet. Three and a half feet. The, the whole COVID-19. Times 1.78. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you got to use the right ratio. <clears throat> So I actually have two more that were on my list of rain screens that I held and didn't say. Uh, number one, are we counting uh, what brick dyes provide as a rain screen? Are we counting that dead air space behind the bricks, that two inches that's, that the brick tie allows you to set the brick off the wall? 
I mean, bricks are probably the one of the older forms of veneer or rain screen systems, right? Yeah. Masonry systems, if done right. You're going you're gonna to think we planned this because the way that you answered that is uh, I was wanting to talk about the age of that system. So then let's talk about the, uh, the other system that comes to mind. How about vinyl siding? From a from a like rain screen drying potential, I get that the vinyl siding is a little tighter to the house than a lot of these, but for open and allowing air to move and and not encouraging water to be held against the building, can we make an argument that vinyl siding is kind of like a rain screen in itself? There's there for me. There's probably not a more aesthetically disruptive material <laughs> out there. But that being said, not, we're not making pro- an aesthetic argument. There's well, there's probably not a better engineered product out there. When you talk about water management, durability, all of those issues, I mean, how how can you beat it? Except for you know, there's certainly the argument of manufacturer and what we do and um, use to make it. Um, but from a building science perspective, you know, it's. It does. It checks off all the boxes. You know, if you add the word dedicated space, then vinyl siding wouldn't qualify, right? Because it's an incidental nope. space. So yep. I think that um, it's pretty damn close. But because the space is not intentional, it means that somebody can screw it up and make it so that it Bail doesn't it too tight. Well, hey, buckle up, Buttercup, because think- I'm coming at you with heavy science now. Woohoo! Vinyl siding, yes, it's not a. It, what'd you call it? Dedicated space. Dedicated. Yeah, dedicated space, but proportional to its ability to hold water, it's very high. Right, so, meaning that like wood clapboard has the ability to hold a hundred times more water than vinyl siding, or a thousand times more water. Mm-hmm. So I need a drying space that's exponentially larger than the vinyl siding it's ability to absorb right so and redistribute vinyl siding which yeah. does none of it it just needs a space to allow the wall to dry out so are you saying that because it has no capacity to hold moisture that's a good thing or it changes I'm the dynamic it's probably more lenient on the whole assembly in general mm-hmm. that's that, interesting so so i guess if somebody pinned cedar clapboard against the WRB compared to somebody pinning vinyl siding against that WRB, you're going to be in a world of more hurt with the wood because the wood can take up moisture and hold it against the WRB. Yeah, I probably have about 500 pictures of staining on WRB from cedar clapboards. Mm-hmm. You know, and window rot and all of it because water's getting suspended behind there. Um, one of the other things about rain screen that I'll throw out there, a little story, um, a couple years ago, I went by a project. It was, I, I think it was the very first project I ever did at building science corporation. It was a custom house. And that's my first time where I ever was introduced to the rain screen with Joe. Well, a couple of years ago, I was in that neighborhood. It's probably about at 40 minutes from my house. And I said, Hey, let me take a ride by, took a ride by. Um, the, the wife client, Chris was in the yard. And so I stopped, got out and I said, Hey, how you doing? And 
we chatted it up and I looked at the house and said, man, it looks great. Did you, you know, you guys just repaint it. And she goes, no, we haven't painted it yet. And we're, we're probably closing in on 20 years with that paint job. And so, you know, mm. when you think about having the backside ability to dry that beyond the water management, you get into some real good durability and maintenance or no maintenance issues when you decide to use a rain screen system, right? Because I I always explain it, and please again check me if I'm if I'm wrong. But you know, You're water wrong. gets in behind the systems, gets soaked up by your wooden clapboard. Sun comes out, tries to dry it. Moisture migrates to the outer face, and what's the first battle? It's forced to fight the paint film, and the first year or two, it might lose that battle, and the paint film wins because of the adhesion, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, year four or five, you start developing little bubbles. Year five, six, those bubbles break and burst and become paint failure. Because all your wall is trying to do is dry out where if you put the rain screen in, you would have won that battle successively like this one house did for almost 20 years. And That's really talk- interesting because you're talking about Normally, we think about the properties of the WRB and the spaces protecting the sheathing, but you're saying, "Hey, this kills two birds with one stone. It protects the sheathing and the and the cladding if it's wood." Yeah, well, I if you go back to your what you would call a ventilated space as opposed to yeah. just a drainage space, if I have the ventilated space, now my clapboard or any wood siding has the ability to dry on all six sides, right? Um, and, you know, we, we've used it before, Peter, when we talk, but how, how did we dry wood before we had kilns? Yeah. <laughs> right? We put it on sticks. Sticks, yeah. So all we're doing here is putting our siding on sticks and saying when the sun comes out, dry. Mm-hmm. And just use Mother Nature in our favor. And the thing that's baffling to me is I've actually sat with clients, brought up the topic of rain screen, and had some new builders that I haven't worked with much and they kind of roll their eyes like, Oh, he's going to want me to put up that. But the reality is, is, you know, as a builder and and I'm sure you, you can align with this Jake is it's an opportunity for you to build a better house and make more money. Because if I can sell a $5,000 rain screen package, then that's a win for you. Now that's not to the detriment of 5,000 to the homeowner because in that one house that it's I cited saving. as an example, you got a 20 year paint job going instead of, you know, here in the Boston area, people are probably painting their houses anywhere from five to seven years, right? So in 20 years, you're talking the initial paint job and three more at, you know, for, for a good size house, that's a hundred K in painting on a 20 year cycle, right? So yeah, yeah. If yep. if I take that tw- that hundred grand and invest <clears throat> eight of it or ten of it up front in a rain screen, as a homeowner, I get my time back, which is extremely valuable, and I get the durability and well being of the house. So, do you guys ever spec uh, a rain screen that doesn't ventilate? In other words. Uh, one that simply drains. I have I used hydrogap a number of times. Um, I think 
I think that decision is somewhat proportional to the assembly. It's certainly proportional to the budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, and and when I say the budget, Peter, it's not so much the um, how can I say that wood furring costs more than hydro gap. It's all the little things that happen. So, for example, Anderson windows, their exterior extension is about an inch and a quarter. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if I start going, if I put up a wood furring strip and then I put on my jam casings and such, I'm actually proud of the window frame. And yep. the, the homeowners yeah. have to be okay yep. with that, right? Instead, of, the other alternative would be to pad out the window opening and flash it yep. to the rain screen. Um, which is added cost again. Which is added cost again. So that's what I'm saying where it kind of becomes a budget issue. If, you know, when Jake and I use European windows, it's a no-brainer because we can put that window anywhere in the wall and work. the work is the work that's associated with it. But, um, but I... So that's actually why we tend to use three-eighths for plywood ripped to inch-and-a-half strips. It's because my market and a lot of my clients are asking for uh, fiber cement lap siding. And if you take the fiber cement lap dimension and you add three-eighths behind it and you add a flanged window, I don't have to have window trim if I don't want. My siding can still butt to the side of the to the jam of the so window. So you're just barely making it so you don't need an exterior jam extension. Yep. Yeah. So we can bridge that like, uh, you know, we're not boston where most people are asking for ornate trim around the windows that have a historic feel there's uh there's actually a give and take and some people kind of want something that looks close to the vinyl siding design that's down the street where the siding comes and gets really close to the window rather than having a big flange around it uh well there is you know to each their own to each market what the client wants is what the client wants uh we try to lead them in a in a direction that's aesthetically pleasing obviously but I don't have total control over taste either. You know, the other thing interesting about if you only have a one millimeter gap and that doesn't give you air circulation, if you put rigid insulation to the exterior of, say, hydro gap, you know, people say, oh, now you've got an airspace behind that doesn't erode the R value of the rigid. And the answer is no or not significantly because that one millimeter gap just doesn't allow enough convective enough? movement to short circuit the exterior insulation. So that's kind of interesting because if you're doing rigid insulation on the outside of the half house and you're and you're doing a ventilated rain screen, you of course that that space has to be to the exterior of the rigid. You know, it's interesting, Peter. I'm doing a house right now, very large house, and we have our sheathing with a, a very good uh, weather-resistive barrier, and then I have two inches of rigid insulation, and then my rain screen on the outside of that, and. All of our windows, we flashed to the outside of the foam. We first flashed the opening to the weather-resistant barrier. Mm -hmm. And then we did a flash, an over-flash of the sill out over the foam. And the builder had asked, you know, do we want to tape all the joints of the foam? And I said, no. I said, our our Alamo is the weather-resistant barrier. He says, well, but that's the inside of the rain screen. And my contention there is is water is not very smart and it's going to find even if it finds the seams of that foam it's just going to follow that edge and fall to gravity there's no force there to push it in 
right? Which I, I think is something else we should talk about, right? The, what are what are the three things we need to actually cause a leak, right? We need water, we need a hole, and then we need a force to push the water through the hole. Yeah. And and something to damage. And and something to damage. Yeah. It's because uh, if our building is just mass wall. Listen, you're, I'm not giving you credit for a fourth aspect. Sorry. Of a water I'll, I'll give you credit, Jake. Yeah. Thank well, you. You guys can. Uh, it's Wheaties Day, so you don't get crap from me. Um, <laughs> but uh, somebody started drinking early. <laughs> but uh, but I think that's really important to understand that because a lot of people, it's it amazes me, you know, when you when you post something on Instagram or you see stuff out there. And people start talking about, oh, should I do this? Should I do that? Oh, look what I did here. Well, okay, but you really don't have a force to push water in that hole. So what are you worried about, right? Um, and and the other thing that, um, and this is this will be the me end of me talking, and I'll just leave it to you guys. Seriously? Yeah. No, I I know this. Listen, yeah. I told you there was a lot of sugar in the Wheaties, and I actually supplemented it with a few tablespoons, um, but. Uh, See, now you lost my train of thought. I man. forgot what it's... Uh, no. All right. Here we go. So this is this is, this is is above and beyond the if water gets behind it, you're an idiot. It's the minute you pick up a roll of tape or a caulk gun or some type of sealant mechanism, the first question you should, should ask is not what am I trying to keep out or how do I create the barrier. The very first question you should ask when you put that in your hands is... When I tape this joint or seal this joint or edge, what am I sealing in when it gets in? And how does it get out when it gets in? Because if you're naive enough to believe water isn't going to get in there in the next 50 or 100 years, then you're just as big as an idiot as the guy that believes water doesn't get behind the cladding. Why is it that every time I talk to you, I feel like an idiot? Is that a personal problem? <laughs> when he simplifies it? I, I think that's right the perfect place. The common denominator, buddy. <laughs> I think it's the perfect place to wrap. I think that we we've given a good introduction into air barrier in air barriers into rain screens, and I think that that is like the best piece of advice. And I've heard Steve say that before, and I say it to my guys. And every time a client says, "Well, I I cocked it. I tried to get it to stop leaking," I think, "Yeah, you, you probably made it worse." Well, for the same reason that he's talking I mean, about. let's reverse it. Let's reverse engineer that for a second, Peter. One of your primary businesses is building failures. Let's let's before we wrap it up, let's just dive into that for a second. When when you see products fail, is it because they're air open or because they're most likely air closed and water water holding? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to sadly defer to one of your key statements which is it's almost always an installation problem, not a material problem. And in fact, I just was down on uh, the seacoast of your state, Steve, doing a water test because there was a leak related to only very intense storm events. So when you said there's got to be a hole in a driving force, the only time this sucker leaked is when there was a kick-ass driving force. Yeah. Uh, and, and then we had to try to simulate that to find out where the leak was and frankly it was an installation issue yeah and what what i find peter because I, I do do a, obviously do a bunch of work down there but 
um, water management knowledge is inversely proportional to location. <laughs> right? The builder that builds literally like on the water, like I, I, I was, it was a project like a couple doors down from a project I was doing. I just took a little walk when I was visiting and I'm looking and these guys are like ice and water shielding the wall that faces the ocean. And I'm sitting there going, oh yeah, that million dollar house ain't going to rot away in two years, right? There is absolutely no drying potential. And if you think because your two $30 an hour guys are spreading ice and water shield and that you're keeping it out, uh-uh, give it up, gentlemen. So there, well, it, it was about keeping it out, but uh, what happens if it gets in and it can't dry, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's, and, that's and, where we And Jake, start. I just wanted to say, a lot of what we're talking about is if you got higher exposure, you better bring your A game. You know, you might get away with uh, unventilated or no rain screen in, you know, uh, uh, Arizona, but you're not going to get away with it on the uh, right. northern But it's, what I'm saying I've... is it's 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 almost counterintuitive and inversely proportional. If I'm on if I'm on a location where I get typhoon winds and stuff. I want to make my wall as air open as possible. I want to build a really good wall and then put an air open screen in front of it. Yeah. So it's funny that, uh, and I know we're trying to wrap up. I know no, you, right. but you said Arizona, Peter. Mm. And uh, when we were in Vegas in January for IBS, mm -hmm. for the International Builder Show, I did a, a presentation on flashing for Huber and for fine home building and one of the guys that was standing around after the presentation asked that was with ben about, boogie right yes it was uh one of the guys standing around said something about siding and i said well are you putting it on a, a rain screen and he said no and i explained what a rain screen was in my opinion he said well i live in arizona and we don't really get much rain and i said okay uh do you have grass and he said, yeah, most of the, the houses that we build, we sawed a yard for them. I said, do they get sprinklers? I said, yes. I said, what time do the sprinklers go off? And he said, well, most of the time we set them off, we set them so that they go off in the morning right when the sun's about to come up. And I said, and all these people that can afford to have their lawn sprinkled, are they early risers or do they get up and head into work at 9 o'clock in the morning? Are they awake when they see the sprinklers? Do they see where the sprinklers are hitting the house when they're hitting the house? It can be a as simple as somebody's not maintaining the area around the house that can challenge that assembly, even when we're not talking about someplace that gets typhoons or someplace that faces the coast. And I thought it was just a really good, and actually the builder, stand, I wish I would have got the guy's name, the builder standing next to him said, yeah, that's what I was telling you about. That was the, and they had <laughs> had a recent stucco issue from a sprinkler that had been spraying the side of a house instead of the yard. So, Steve, it's not just Mother Nature always wins. It's that if you irrigate houses, you grow stuff. <laughs> yeah. If you irrigate houses, that's good. <laughs> okay. Final thoughts, or are we good to go, guys? I'm properly um, cooked. Yeah, I have one. Don't be an idiot. Ventilate and drain <laughs> behind the cladding. Do not believe water will never get behind there. And always question, what am I sealing in? Not what am I sealing out? Okay, Unbuild It Podcast listeners, thank you for tuning in today. Stay tuned until next time. Bye. See gentlemen. you guys. Later, guys. <laughs>